me personally, it was when uh, I was at the Redskins and um, many people know about it, but I uh, had the whole headbutt incident. And uh, if anybody had to face adversity in one of the biggest media markets and overcome that and still play another, you know, 11 years after that, um, you know, that's overcoming kind of some real tough adversity because you're going to hear about it every day. You're going to have to deal with it and you need to have a good personality and a good understanding of what's coming your way. So you can either get really upset, which I've done before, or you can really kind of laugh about it and say, yeah, it happened to me, but you know what? I still enjoyed and had a great career and, and it, may, it didn't work out, but it happened. And so uh, that was a, a, a huge kind of adversity learning experience for me. to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all-pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins, to actionable mental skill strategies, and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket, Jake and Grant sit down with Gus Ferrat former Pro Bowl NFL quarterback, to discuss how he overcame adversity and how he managed the dynamics of playing for seven different teams. Gus embodies the characteristics of a true leader and prides himself to live by the we-before-me mindset. Ready List Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyList are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to the In and Out of the Pocket podcast with Jake the Snake Plumber and Grant Parr. That is me. We are just really excited to bring this show uh, about the mental game with regards to quarterbacks and quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators and offensive-minded head coaches. This is... uh, a place where people can learn more about the mental game and learn how to deal with pressures and how to to visualize and understand literally how quarterbacks get through their day and how they overcome adversities. So really excited to bring this show. And uh, Jake, man, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, an interesting time we're living in and a good time to have a podcast that uh, hopefully people have time to listen to and Provide them with, like you said, something that hopefully they can uh, either just be entertained by or relate to or share with uh, a young aspiring athlete, quarterback, whatever. Uh, mainly in, even in life, a lot of our guests, it's been fun to hear them talk about their uh, careers and how much their career has you know, trickled into their life and how they lean on a lot of what they learned in sports to get through adversity in life and challenges and all, all that. So. Excited, man, and really excited for uh, our next guest because, uh, you know, we, we have some similarities that I'll talk about here in a little bit, but uh, I'm going to let you introduce him now, Grant. I'm pretty excited. Absolutely. 
Well, who we have today is a is a former veteran, 14 years in the uh, the NFL, who is a former Pro Bowler as well, um, who slinged the ball and was super just calm under pressure, and uh, really enjoyed uh, growing up watching you play. Um, and we have today Gus Farratt. How you doing, Gus? I'm good, Grant and Jake. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You bet. Well, I think we should just uh, get right into it from a mindset standpoint. Um, I love your career, and I love how you dealt with all the transition in your career. When you reflect on your career, what do you think was the biggest mental win, and what do you think was your biggest mental fail, and how did you overcome it? Well, just starting with the latter. I mean, for me personally, it was when uh, I was at the Redskins, and um, many people know about it, but I had the whole headbutt incident, and uh, if anybody had to face adversity in one of the biggest media markets and overcome that and still play another, you know, 11 years after that, um, you know, that's overcoming kind of some real tough adversity because you're going to hear about it every day. You're going to have to deal with it and you need to have a good personality and a good understanding of what's coming your way. So you can either get really upset, which I've done before, or you can really kind of laugh about it and say, yeah, it happened to me, but you know what? I, I still enjoyed and had a great career, and and it, man, it didn't work out, but it happened. And so uh, that was a, a, a huge kind of adversity learning experience for me. And then, um, you know, just good things that happen is is just being able to go into a, a new situation, uh, learning a new offense. It's like learning a new language. I did that seven times, and um, uh, you know, it's just it's just being able to process that information in a new way it was the same throws i've always made but you know you take those throws and you can call them five different things uh you have to parse those out so by the end of my career you know a dig route was not a dig anymore sometimes it was a four sometimes it was an in it was just or a deep in you know so you always had to i'm telling guys to run this route and they're like never heard about that oh yeah that's what we did the redskins so had to go through that a lot but um you know, I think that as far as an achievement was uh, just understanding how to do that and process that uh, over time with all the different coordinators and offenses I've been in. And what was your process? And because we've, we've talked about this uh, multiple times on the show about uh, quarterbacks that had the opportunity, and I call it an opportunity, opportunity to go from team to team. They've, they've had to learn all these different systems, which is a daunting task. Was there a process that you had to like? Did you have your own process to learn each playbook from team to team? Yeah, you know, I just kind of as soon as I got to a new team, I would try to get as much as the play of the playbook as possible. Um, being quarterbacks, the coaches would be a little more lenient with giving all their plays out. You know, a lot of times they don't want to do a lot of that. They don't want to give you everything that you're going to see until you get to training camp and then you start over. But for me, it's like, okay, I got to learn this stuff. I got to learn the protections um, that go with different, you know, routes or however you want to call it. And there's so much to learn, especially once I got to the West coast system out in Denver with coach Shanahan, it was just verbiage galore <laughs> and trying to learn all that myself was, was really difficult. And I had to put a lot of time in and, the hardest part for me was, you know, when I would go somewhere new, I had to leave my family behind and, and find the new place where we were all going to live because we all traveled together and, uh, you know, leaving them for three or four months to go out and do the off season somewhere new was, that was always the hardest part for me. So I had a lot of time to really dive into the playbooks and, and try to learn the system. 
That's uh, it's interesting, man. I know that you've heard and I know my business partner Chad's talked to you about Ready List Sports, you know, which was basically we designed that for that that reason, but having to learn the, the nomenclature of all the different names for a, a big route or a deep end. Uh, you know, it's always something different in everybody's system. But I can think back to playing for Shanahan. One of the similarities we had for sure was that we played in Denver, and I'll, I'm going to wait and bring that 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 the rest of that out. Although you know what, I'm going to do it right now. We're very similar, right? So here's the deal: you punted in, in college, am I correct? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I punted in high school. Okay, there's one. You threw a left-handed pass that was intercepted. Am I correct? Uh, that is. I was playing for the yes. bang- Bengals. For the Bengals. Okay, I did it coming out of the end zone uh, for the Broncos. And, uh, man, I had to answer a lot of questions. But back when you look on film, the tight end yeah, took you- the wrong way or else it would have been a completion. <laughs> yeah, you you had a lot more fans in the stands than I had in the stands. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, let me keep going. I got more. You were a holder right. on field goals, right? Oh, yep, fifteen years. I love that, man. That's one of my proudest things in my career that I held field goals and extra point. Such an amazing, amazing thing. That timing involved. The last one, the similarity that we've had is we both put our hands in the same nasty place. You know what I'm talking about. Tommy Nalen's Nalen's, uh, center snap, paint, spot, whatever you want to call it. We've been there. We know that smell. Yeah, and why that guy. Yeah, why that guy's not in the Hall of Fame, I'll never know. But, you know, to be his size and do what he did in the league, it's it's just, it's crazy that he's not ever mentioned. I am shocked and bewildered, like you said. So I'm going to. Take it back a minute after getting those similarities off, off the plate because we do have a lot of similarities there with those few things. When did you know uh, as growing up, whether you, whatever age you were, I'm sure you had a dream to be you know, an athlete in some sport, maybe the NFL was that dream. Maybe touch on that as a youngster, but then when did you really realize and, and, and go, holy smokes, I think I got a chance to play QB at a high level. When did that set in? Well, it's a great question because um... – when I was young and we, 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 you know, we called it, it's youth football, but we call it midget football here in, in Western PA, which is the incorrect term now. But uh, yeah. I, the first time I ever played, they put me at right guard and I got drilled by some big defensive lineman. I'm like, man, I do not like this and didn't play that year. I just told went home and said, dad, I'm not playing the line. This was not for me. I don't like that at all. And, you know, and my dad was kind of cool about it. Then I played again when I got to junior high school and in eighth grade, I was uh, my dad just bought me a new pair of cleats. And uh, the first practice, I broke my foot. But I went home. And I said, Dad, my foot's killing me. I got to go to the doctor. And he said, No, you don't. Just tie your shoe tighter. I just bought you those cleats. You're wearing them. And you know, he was a mill guy from Pittsburgh. And so, all year played with that foot. Finally, it didn't stop hurting. End of the season, go to the doctor. He's like, This thing's broken. How long have you had that? I said, All season. He goes, What? And that's just the mentality we had. Yeah, yeah. So then go to ninth grade and then I you know I don't even remember what I played in eighth grade but just ran around the field and then go to ninth grade and uh in ninth grade for the beginning of the football season I tackled somebody with my head down and I broke my neck so for ninth and tenth grade I never played a down Mm. in football and then I get to 11th grade and at that point you know I've always good in baseball have strong arm and um actually my wife's father 
uh, was my high school coach at that point, and um, he just passed away. But uh, he he said, look, I know you don't want to play defense. We're going to put you a quarterback. We ran the wing tee, and oh, I ran the wing tee oh, in 11th wow. grade. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I, always, I always thought that I was going to be a baseball player, to be honest. I love baseball. We won state championships in baseball for a small school in Pennsylvania and just thought that's where I was going to go and then end up going to a, a camp in Pittsburgh called the Joe Butler Metro Index Football Camp where they don't do this anymore, but they had every college was invited. And so you're at a high school field with all the colleges there watching you practice. And, you know, five or six of them saw me, sent me letters. Um, I had no idea what I was doing by dropping back and throwing the ball, just not what we did in the wing tee. Uh, but I was six foot four, 200 pounds, you know, and, and just things you can't teach. And I, you know, and I was lucky enough to have those. And um, so my senior year, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, it's not like we were playing, throwing the football around a bunch. We weren't, uh, you know, I probably threw it 45 times my whole career in high school. And, uh, you know, I, I go and I'm getting recruited. I thought I was going to go to Michigan. Um, Cam Cameron was the quarterback coach there. And um, then he ended up being my quarterback coach when I went to the Redskins. And I said, what happened, Cam? You guys quit recruiting me. He goes, well, we were recruiting three quarterbacks. And, you know, we got the kind of the first guy we wanted. And you were number three. And, and we got our first guy. So we just quit recruiting the other guys. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then... And then, you know, really my options came down to uh, uh, going to Louisville where Howard Schnellenberger was the coach or going to Tulsa with Coach David Rader. And Coach Schnellenberger really hadn't never talked to me or called me or came to see me until I went to Louisville and visited the school. And Coach Rader came and saw me twice in Pittsburgh to my house. And that meant a lot to me. Uh, I knew they threw the ball. And so, um, you know, they offered me. I couldn't turn it down. Went and played at the University of Tulsa. Uh, where the first game I ever played at Tulsa, I threw it 45 times. So there was a big difference between high school and, and, and going to college. Wow. Wow. You know, Gus, you, you bring up the wing T, and it's uh, my, I would say, majority of my life was in that offense. Until my last year, I had six weeks to learn the West Coast offense, and, man, I was drinking through a fire hose. Uh, yeah. But every time I hear that word wing T, man, it brings up a lot of memories, man, uh, a lot of memories. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell you how many times we took those. Yeah, every step had to be right, right? When you're running the sweep or the dive oh, yeah. or the trap, everything. I mean, we practiced them over and over and over again. Oh, and that's yeah. tough as a coach. I, I, you know, I commend those coaches that have, you know, five or six plays and they just pound them. They find out what's working and they keep going at it. I mean, when I coached in high school, I couldn't do that. I had to, I had to go find matchups and I had to go and change my offense all the time. So it was uh, pretty interesting to be able to go through that and watch that. Big time, big time. Now, I want to get into your routine. Uh, I know every athlete has a pregame routine to get locked in. I know Jake did, and his changed over time. I know I, I had mine since I was 10 years old all up to my last game. I had a pregame routine. What, what did it look like? How did you get locked in before a game? Well, you know, there's a difference when you're the starter and when you're the backup. Um, now Jake's played a heck of a lot more games than I have, but you know, I, I've done, been able to do both. And when I was a backup, you know, my whole week was preparing as a starter, but knowing going into the game that, um, it was a little more, I could go out and kind of clear my head a little more. When you're a starter, 
you know, you're going out and you're really thinking about the preparation that went into the week. Who am I seeing? What's my matchups? And trying to keep going over and over that as the game goes on. And for me, I didn't have any real superstitions. Um, my superstition was getting in early, having a coffee, sitting in a training room before a game, where it was home or away, and just bull- bullshitting with everybody. Some guys, you know, my, I love people watching kind of uh, like what you do when you go to an airport. It was just interesting to me when I would watch all the guys in there and all their rituals, you know, like I've seen guys put their whole uniform on the floor and it had to look a certain way, you know, and I was like, I'm not that animal. I'm not doing that. You know, so it was just, <laughs> it was just for me. Sometimes I'd like to joke around and kid and have fun because I felt like when I was loose and when I could laugh a little bit and not take it, it's obviously serious, but not take it so serious. I end up playing better. I felt better um, and try to relieve that ten- that tension and stress before I got in the field. Cause a lot of times the only way that happens is when you get drilled right in the chin and then the knocks the cobwebs out and you're like, Oh, okay, let's go play. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I didn't have anything I did cause uh, it would suck if I was in a hurry or the bus was late or I had to get taped or if I was injured and had a break for that routine. And then I'd forget to put my left sock on first. <laughs> and I get dressed and be like, oh shit, I forgot my left sock. Oh no. Then, you know, you'd have a reason to have an excuse if you had a bad game. So like you, Gus, I would more like try to soak in the last little bit of what I needed to know, especially with Shanahan, man, he'd change stuff on Saturday afternoon. So you'd be studying basically yeah. all the way till they take your book away. But I try to just relax and get my mind right. Uh, you know, just get in that frame of mind to go out and do battle. And uh, that was really what I try to do. Um, you know, I want to ask you because, you know, you played on, on a lot of teams and you've been around a lot of great players. Uh, you had a really nice career. Who's one of the most competitive tone setter, you know, teammates that you ever played with? Oh, uh, there's been so many. Um, but I go back to a guy that you played with as well and was there before I even got to the Broncos, Rod Smith. Um, oh, I've yeah. seen Rod, you know, Rod was, uh, in practice, uh, in games working, knew what the quarterbacks knew, always was trying to stay one step ahead. I mean, I remember changing routes in the middle of games to where he said, okay, they're going to play this coverage. I can sit right here. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Just sit, sit it down and I'll, I'll put it right on you. And so we got, we got to know that. And Rod was about what, not what was best for him, what was best for the quarterback. And you can't yeah. say that for every receiver. You know, um, I just interviewed Wes Welker yesterday, and Wes was talking about the difference between playing with Brady and playing with, and I played with Wes too, and playing with uh, uh, Peyton Manning. You know, and then, and, and um, wow. you know, he said Tom, Tom was very particular about, you know, I need you to come out of it this way. And Wes would be like, well, that's not good for me. And he's like, yeah, but that's good for me. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so Rod was about that, like learning what a QB sees so that he can can break the routes, do what he needs to do to be that uh, guy. And he, and you know, he was just a, an all time great competitor. I mean, I played with a lot of guys, different guys that were all great competitors, but Rod always stuck out because he was up there with the quarterback studying, learning, teaching the young kids, uh, being out there at practice, always being first, first in the you know building last to leave. He did a lot of those great things that you have to do to, to be a winner. Dude, I love it. I love it, man. Cause, I talked about him a lot. And one of the things I, I remember from my career you know, when I got the, the, the lucky blessing to play with a player like him, he 
I was injured one year or one week. Uh, we had only two QBs on the roster. So the, the starter was taking run game reps and, and someone had to throw seven on seven. So Rod went over and threw seven on seven and I wasn't expecting it, but he went, I don't even know what he went, but he was a hundred percent. He completed every ball I, I, and it wasn't check downs. He wasn't just hitting the check down or over the ball. This dude was throwing dig routes, throwing glances, throwing comebacks. I asked him afterwards, like, Rod, what the hell, man? How, how did you do that? He's like, man, I study every position on this field. I, I know what everyone has on every play call. Just a true competitor, true professional. Like I said, I'm glad you brought him up because whenever I think about him, i just thankful to play with well, a guy like that. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, Jake, when I got to the Broncos, you know, Brian Greasy was the other quarterback. And Brian, yeah, um, you know, we're all different. Brian wasn't one to share any knowledge, right? He's like, hey, I'm in this for me, and which is fine, you know. And, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything, but that's who he was. So a lot of things, when I had questions, I went to Rod. Hey, Rod, what's this about? Yeah. What are we looking for here? You know, and uh, he, he was always gracious, yeah. knew it, like you said, and it was, it, he was a phenomenal um, uh, teammate. You know, Gus, we've we've talked about this a few times on the show about, um, you know, there's quarterbacks that are, when they're starting, you know, they're either all about themselves or they're all about the team and they're making sure that the person or persons behind them are prepared just because something can happen, right? And they need to come in and, and fill in the shoes. When you were when you were starting, what was your mindset like? Were you that 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 global quarterback where you were looking at the whole team and making sure that the people behind you were, were getting all the knowledge and, and getting the mental reps, or were you really just focused on what you needed to do as a quarterback? No, I was about the team. I was always want to say, you know what, if this guy needs to know what's going on, he needs to know because at any instant you can go down, you know, and if you're not about doing that, then you're not, you're not really for the team. You're just about yourself. And, and this game is not an individual sport. If you think you can go out there and not help anybody that's around you in practice that's going to be out there part of the 53-man roster, um, you have to be able to share your knowledge with everyone. Because if you don't, that's just a – I think it's a recipe for disaster. Because as we saw with the Steelers this year, you know, Big Ben goes down and, and two guys come in who are probably okay quarterbacks, but they weren't up to par. And, uh, you know, you've got to have everybody on the same page. And, and it's not necessarily knowing the playbook – there's just so many little things that you can help somebody with that have never, that's never been out there or played in a game or been in those situations that, that you've been in, um, you know, in the red zone, throwing a, throwing a lob ball down in the corner. You know, how do you do that? Sometimes you just stick with the three quarterbacks and you, you put a bucket in the corner and you say, Hey, we're just going to go throw these and we're going to figure out how to throw them together. So that, that, cause if you're throwing a Randy Moss, you got to throw it all the same. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know what I got to ask you next, man. There's a lot. There's a lot to ask, but a lot, a lot of things that that I like to hear quarterbacks talk about. Usually, what I ask. You you had a good career. What would you say is one of your best college pros, high school? Whatever, one of your most favorite memories. What what made it special? And uh, you know, fill us in on that. Let us get a little more about what you feel like your most, you know, valuable moment in, in your playing career was. Well, I think for most part, every team I have a a. a, a a great moment, you know, uh, obviously a few that stand out are for me here when I played with the Broncos and we came back and I was able to throw uh, four, t- uh, four picks, but threw five touchdowns and threw the winning one to Ed McCaffrey in the end zone against San yeah. Diego. So that was a great game. I think that was a game I broke the record. Then you came in and broke my record. 
So I had a chance yeah, to have a record right. on a team, and then Jake comes in and breaks it. So I uh, <laughs> appreciate that, Jake. No, but then, you know, That's and then, right. uh, being in, you know, being 38 in Minnesota and playing uh, against the Bears and throwing a 99 yard touchdown to Bernard Barrian. Yeah. I mean, when you're 38 years old and you're saying, man, I'm just still like an ancient guy out here and you're just having fun and coach calls 999 I've seen in the, out of the end zone. You're like, okay, let's go. I love it. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and Peanut Tillman cheats to the, to the tight end on the seam route and you throw it over his head to the guy running down the sideline and it's, it just all worked out. You know, I'm like, it took 15 years to be able to, to do that. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, I'll never forget that moment that, that for me, that was special. I got a, a picture of that actual throw out of the end zone. Uh, one of those panoramic ones. And I had everybody sign it and I gave it to everybody that was on the field with me, including the coaches. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's real cool. You know, Gus, when you think about all the years you played in the NFL or just your career period, um, all the leadership experiences that you've had, how has those experiences translated into what you're doing now in life? Well, I mean, dealing with teammates, understanding uh, obviously all the transitions and how I go from one team that I could finally, you know, took me two years to get to know everybody and then I leave and have to go to another building and get to know everybody else. How do you handle those situations? And that's no different than the business world transitioning in a life after football and trying to figure out, okay, if I become a head coach, if, if I'm dealing with my family in new situations, how do I bring that team together? How do I be a leader? Um, sometimes being a leader is not always voicing your opinions, listening, um, and being able to understand what everybody else is thinking before you make your your voice, but then it's also being able to go into a new situation and say, you know what, I don't think that's right. I think we should do it like this, and here's why. And if you can be that type of person where you not only, you know, we all have different personalities, but I've always tried to say, I want to listen a little bit. I want to understand everybody's personality, see what their profiles are. Then I can go attack and see how I can fit in here and be who I am, but also be forceful in a way that, that makes me a, a productive part of the team. And so that's kind of how I always approached it in football. And to this day, and all the different things I've been in, um, from you know being part of an, uh, a startup to uh, now working with uh, people that are going to be unemployed in the Human Performance Center here in Pittsburgh, having my podcast, dealing with team members, um, trying to figure all that out. Um, a lot of that comes from you know going from team to team and 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 doing that for years upon years. What about, you know, you said a team to team, you've been on a lot of, a lot of squads and getting to know the players. I mean, it, for me, going from Arizona to Denver was uh, interesting because, you know, you get, like I said, you get used to everybody in the building, you get comfortable and then you got to meet a bunch of new players and you kind of prove yourself to them. And everyone wants to see a quarterback prove themselves. And I got to ask you, you know, what was, what were some of your favorite coaches you had? Because, you know, you were on, you learned seven new offenses and, who were some of your favorite coaches and, and, and why did you like them? What style did they coach you in that you, uh, you know, you really liked and re what resonated with you? Well, obviously my first, you know, I was probably like you, Jake, you're, you're a lot closer to your offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, because you're in that room with them every day. The head coach is a little different. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I've had head coaches who are in there every day and I haven't had head coaches that are in there. Uh, but um, I've had a lot of great um, guys that I've been around. Um, you know, my first quarterback coach, Cam Cameron, 
we were both in the yeah. league at the same time. He came from college. I came from college and we worked our tails off. I mean, I can't tell you, it's not like today with the CBA now and you can't be on the field more than so many hours a week. And in the, I mean, I was out in the field throwing comebacks. I mean, I, my arm never got sore. That was one gift I was given. I could throw the ball mm-hmm. constantly all day long. And so just he and I being out there and, and saying, you know, how, how do I hitch? Like, you know, you feel like I just came from college. I threw the ball a thousand times every, you know, each year. And it's like, you tell me I'm wrong. Like, yes, you're wrong. Like, and then taking that coaching and making yourself better and then going to a new team and a coach having a different view. And, and, uh, you know, I've had Kenny Anderson, who was an incredible player for the Bengals was my quarterback coach in Cincinnati and listening to Kenny and, and hearing all the things he had to talk about, uh, you know, and then, you know, having different people, Jim Zorn was my quarterback coach when I went and played for Detroit, you know, and Jim had a different philosophy, which he and I butted heads a little bit. Uh, I didn't always agree with what he wanted to do. Uh, but you know, I felt like I was going to listen to him because he, he played in the league for a long time, was a great player for Seattle, but also had my own opinion. And I think that hurt me in the long run because he didn't like somebody telling him what to do, which, you know, everybody has their own thing, but I had to be true to myself in that sense. And then I get out to uh, Denver and I'm with uh, coach uh, Kubiak, Gary, who's another former quarterback. You know, and, and Gary's just laid back as they come. Great coach. Good, yeah, good old Texas boy, and just he, uh, just you know, him and Pat McPherson just took me under their wing, and, and I can't tell you how many quizzes I took. And they'd be like, you know, Steve Young can recite it. He would just hear the beginning of the play, and he knew the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, he's probably an attorney too, and super smart. And I'm from Pittsburgh, and my dad was a mill guy. I don't, I don't work like that. So. You know, and I had a, I had a different process, and they had to understand that, that I wasn't Steve Young. You know what I mean? Because um, that West Coast system is a different system, as you know, Jake. And then um, one of my favorites all time was Scott Linehan. Scott was a quarterback, um, offense coordinator, quarterback coach in Minnesota when I got there in three oh um, oh three oh four, and we had a really good team. Dante was the starter, and we had Pep. I mean, we had Moss in there. We had a really really good team, great line. And Scott and I just hit it off. I loved how he called plays. I loved how he um, handled situations and was, you know, try, really tried to exploit the defense uh, when he saw a weakness. Um, and, and just understanding what kind of arm I had. And for me, it was like, okay, if I came in as a starter, they knew me well. But if I came in as a backup and I wasn't like the starter, were they going to adjust to how I played or were they just going to call the same old plays? And I think that was never more evident than when I played in Denver with Coach Shanahan. And Brian got hurt. I came in. He's trying, like, my, my forte is not a three-step drop throwing double slants all game or quick outs. You know, I had, like, seven-step drops, getting the ball downfield, pushing it. And uh, we were behind, and I just started hitting Rod, Rod Ned on, like, 20-yard throws. First down, first down, mm-hmm. touchdown. Like, and Mike's like, well, all right, we can do this. I mean, that's just, you know, and he had to make an adjustment. And he, then I can remember him telling me after the game, he goes, you know, I don't always call plays like that. <laughs> but that's just who I was. And so I think the great coaches I've had have been able to adjust to my style of play. Just, you know, just like you've had, you had that coaches adjust to your style of play, Jake. Yeah. The good ones do. The good ones will help you find your success. And that's why I loved Coops is that he was – he really wanted me to be – mentally prepared 
quiet mind, step on the field and know exactly what was going to be called where sometimes it was a buffer, a nice buffer for between Shanahan and him for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Coops was a great coach. Still is. Oh yeah. Well, we're getting towards the end here of our time with you, Gus. So uh, as we like to do, we're in the pocket, talking a lot of ball, a lot of situations with your career and whatnot. We like to step out of the pocket. So, I am going to let Grant, if you're ready, Grant, do you have any out-of-the-pocket questions for my man, Gus? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. So, if you could transform yourself into any of these three quarterbacks, who would it be and why? Michael Vick, right. Randall Cunningham, or Lamar Jackson? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, ooh, man. Yeah, that's a hard one, you know, because um, – Watching Randall play all those years, uh, just what what a great player was kind of the the, the leader of mm-hmm. of what that is. And um, Jake, when you played, you remind me a lot of like how you could scramble around a, like him. Um, Michael Vick, um, just because he's a lefty, I don't think I could go with Michael. Um, and Lamar Jackson is just super talented and fast and strong and big. And you know, if he can get his drop back passing even better. I think he'll be unstoppable. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm old school. I, I'll probably go with Randall Cunningham just because, uh, you know, I, I love when he could just take it and then like he'd rear back and it seemed like that football would touch the ground behind him. And then he just, he'd sling it about 70 in the air and then he'd see <laughs> yeah. somebody coming oh, down with it. Totally. Lovely. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got a couple for you here. Uh, All right. What was your favorite throw to make? What was your favorite throw? If you could have the ball in your hand right now and they just said, all right, snap it. I got the best receiver in the world to run your route. What route is that you want to drop the dime on? Well, I have a favorite receiver and a favorite throw. I mean, it was Henry Ellard. There's actually two throws I love to make with him because Henry was the best guy in and out of routes I've ever played with. Um, was just an amazing route runner. I never threw him a pass that wasn't a first down. And, Henry would do that inside seam release. He'd come up and um, he'd either run a dig or a corner. And either one, I just knew that if I threw it on time, he was going to be there. And um, he's also the one that taught me how to throw the comeback perfectly. Um, Henry would run a comeback, no matter if he was press man, if they were off, um, you know, he'd say, look, I'm going to get down the field and be about 12. I'm going to look back at you. And when I look back, you throw the ball to where I am. And then it just happened to be, and he learned that playing with Jim Everett. And so just throwing those three routes, those are my favorite routes to throw. But when you can take a corner route and you know where a guy's going to be, and you can hit your back foot mm. and just lob it in there. There's, there's probably no better mm. throw in football. Mm. All good. All of those good. Uh, my fo- my follow-up now is going to be this, this one. You got, this may be a little drastic for the time we're in, but it's all right. People will forgive me. One day left to live. What are you going to go do, and who's going to be with you? Oh, my wife and I already know that one. My wife Annie and I were we we got a silver bullet or an airstream, and we're 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 driving somewhere, and we're probably going to see one of our kids. But um, you know, her and I, we we yeah, our, her and I are like. We're out of here. At some point, we're 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 renting an airstream and we're driving. Hopefully, we're on top of a mountain somewhere, and when that day comes, and we can just be with each other and see the sunset. Mm. Nice, awesome. I have one here. Uh, 
before we, we close up here, if, if you're good with that, Jake. Go for it. All right. So this year's draft, which is right around the corner, who do you think is going to be the first quarterback drafted to what team? And then do you think there's a quarterback in this draft that is going to be a franchise quarterback? Oh, yeah, I think Joe Burrow is going to go to the, the Bengals unless, unless Miami gives up the house for him, um, which could happen. But I think Joe Burrow, he's going to be um, obviously a franchise quarterback for the Bengals. Now, Tua, he can be right there. He's a game changer. He's, he's, uh, he can come in and change the whole attitude of an organization, I think, with his work ethic and, and who he is and everything I've seen about him. But uh, I think Joe Burrow coming in, uh, what he did in college, which we've never seen before, uh, and it seems like he has incredible poise in the pocket. Um, now, if it was A.J. Green coming back and being healthy, I think that Joe Burrows, uh, he could go into um, Cincinnati, make a difference, put some, a good line in front of him so he stays healthy. Uh, Jake, as you know, that's the most important thing. And, um, you know, I think he can, he can turn that franchise around. They need, you know, they're just like my, my poor Pittsburgh Pirates. They need something to turn them around and, I don't, I don't see anything coming along down the line for the Pirates, but I, I do see something right there in front of the Bengals, a nice little shiny coin. Awesome. He, I think he's going to be a good one. Nice, nicely said. And, uh, hey, thanks, man, for, for taking all our questions. We go all over the place with this thing, but uh, we're really happy to have uh, the, the, the people we've had on our show so far. It's pretty amazing, and we love that you've given us your time during this crazy time we're in to come on our podcast and share your story, man. We appreciate it, Gus. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. And, uh, yeah, I love to have you on my show one time, Jake, on huddle up with Gus. Uh, I go out on radio.com and also on the sports circus. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're just like you guys. We like to ask some serious questions, but you know, we, we get into the fun stuff as well. You let me know when, man, I'm down for that for sure. I'd uh, be, be grateful. Yeah, and Grant, at some point, too, we have to talk because i got to tell you about my, my buddy's company in Connecticut called Winning Profile. You'll have to look it up. Dr. Okay. Gary Russell. It's all about um, we all have talent, and uh, why don't a lot of guys make it because they don't know the, who they are. They're missing something. Um, and so Dr. Russell, what he does is he, he really finds, he profiles you and finds out that emotive and that, that, that inner who you are, which a lot of guys don't understand who they are. And so a lot of coaches don't know that. So if you know who you are, coaches know who you are, they can coach you better. You can be a better player. Absolutely. Man, that's great. I would love to learn more about it. Yeah. So at some point we'll have to talk about it, but I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks Gus. Thanks Gus. Yeah. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day and take care. Stay healthy. Mm-hmm.